0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: So when this one popped up, I knew it was there. Uh, I knew that potential was there. And then I kind of just winged it.
0: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Torren Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with award-winning property investor of the year, Sam Gordon. With a track record of building a property portfolio of over 20 properties under the age of 30, we hear about the amazing deal on a small development that he bought that made him over $220,000 in equity. Gordon starts off by sharing where he found this absolute diamond of a steel.
1: So this one, this one was a bit of an interesting site. This one's on the south coast of New South Wales. Um, it was in a suburb that I've done a bit of working before. This was actually my second project in this in this area, um, and I was looking for something a little bit bigger, something that I could potentially add a little bit more value to. Um, and so I came across this site. It was very much being overlooked. Um, it had been sitting. It hadn't actually sat on the market all that long. It, I think it had been maybe on the market for about two, two or three weeks but it was being targeted towards an owner-occupier sort of build because it was a bigger block. It was a very awkward shape, um, not so much to maybe an investor, but it was it was just over a quarter-acre and it had been overlooked by a
0: lot of I was going to say, that's a big block.
1: <laughs> it is a big block. It, I guess the thing is though, it's a little bit further out of Sydney, right? So, it's not right in Sydney. So, you, you don't really have to move by those standards. But in this area, a quarter-acre block is still a big block. And it was, yeah, it was definitely being looked at more as a, as a potential owner-occupier sort of site. It had a nice view, nice outlook out the back and very nice trees and whatnot in surrounding properties. So I had more of that owner-occupied appeal. A lot of people missed it because of that side of things. I bought from the agent before. I'd done a bit of work with him. I actually leased through his company as well. And I rang him and I said, you know, what, what are they actually chasing on this thing? Because, um, you know, I think I could potentially, I, I just kind of said to him, I think I might build it for myself, build my own home, but I could see that it had the potential that we could tweak it to get the dual dwellings on
0: it. Oh, okay. So, you mentioned that it is a dual dwelling there. So, how did you know and find that out because not every single council, every single block you can actually put these type of things on. What kind of research did you find or do to be able to go, okay, oh, let's put a duplex on or whatever it is. Could, it, could you have even done further more than that because such a large block, you could have... Potentially gone and done a, like a full-scale development of like townhouses and units and all that sort of stuff.
1: So in, in this council, uh, so it was zoned low density. So low density. So everyone kind of thought this would, would only be a purely a, a single-block site, but because of uh, because of because of being over quarter acre. So quarter acre in this area, you could do uh, essentially duplex or dual lock. Um, and essentially, that was what I was running off. Actually, sorry, not the duplex, but you could do the dual lock. So you could do detached dwellings on 500 square meters each, um, but a lot of people looked at the site and it was quite slopy, and the and the second area not not heaps slopy, but right in the middle it was slopy, and the second area got quite narrow. So a lot of people overlooked what it what it actually had the potential for, um, and I just kind of realised with a bit of tweaking I could essentially retaining wall the middle section of it. Uh, keep it under a certain height that made it and made it be a non-legal sort of height uh, retaining wall that we would have to have gone and got council, crew, engineers, reports, and everything for. But enough to cut the slope out enough that we could actually build on both. And that was that was where a lot of people had missed the opportunity, or yeah, just definitely had not seen it. Um, yeah, and we, I kind of, I got it for a real steal with what it was, um, with what it was actually worth.
0: So tell me a little bit about this block. Just describe. You said it was a very sort of awkward kind of shape was it and also too there was a slope slope doesn't help as well because that means that it's going to be increased cost to actually get it up to level but just tell us and explain maybe perhaps you can even you know demonstrate with your fingers and hands if you want <laughs> show us what the the block actually looked like
1: it was quite quite long at the start as it came to it and then it kind of narrowed out towards the back and um, I think what it was was the slope was through the middle so a lot of people thought well we can't really put the duplex straight on it but I wasn't even thinking about a duplex my idea was we'll cut it in the middle with the retaining wall and cut the slope out. So we even the slope out. So as long as there was a certain builder that I've worked with previously and as long as it was, in, it was under a, um, a one, yeah, it was as long as it was under a one meter four, the build cost actually didn't increase. So even though the slope across the whole block was about 1.8, we cut it in the middle and made them nine, a 900 slope piece. Which, made, which kept us under the meter. It also kept the retaining wall under the house, um, under the, the, the appropriate height for an engineer's an engineered um, quality, or I guess an engineered reported uh, retaining wall. Um, and essentially, yeah, we cut it, and it made it dead. <laughs> essentially, we made them almost dead flat each one. And uh, yeah, we definitely got away with it uh, in, a, in a pretty positive light. And the thing was. Because I was holding it as well, I made sure the re- the retaining wall was it was strong as an ox. Right, it was built it was built bloody strong. Um, those posts are about I think we we had them out nine hundred and um, and I think we had they were two point four meter posts. So it was a bloody long way down <laughs> to that ground. Those posts, <laughs> so it's not going anywhere. But um, but yeah, essentially how we were able to get away with it.
0: So I'm, I'm curious now, you mentioned that you cut the block. So are you saying that the two two or the dual arc that you, you put there, it wasn't literally flat on each one. It was basically like one was a little bit higher than the other. Is that kind of what you're explaining?
1: Yeah, yeah. it was split level and there were separate dwellings completely. Um, so the one was long and skinny in the in kind of a, almost think of it like a vertical fashion. One was really long and, skin, long and skinny and the other one was long and skinny in the horizontal on, the, on that top back section. It was just, it was just a really... Out of the box way of thinking about it, um, and it just really like I was just kind of ho- really open and praying I pulled this thing off, and, uh, and thankfully it came to fruition. It definitely worked out well.
0: I love those kind of stories. It's amazing because yeah, it's usually the out of the norm or you know lateral thinking type of deals that usually generate the most, I guess, income, and also too to be able to increase the most value for any particular property. I mean, I I've got a a very, very well-known, um, uh, I guess, developer who, who I've worked with closely and he was also explaining to me something very similar to actually what you've done. Um, it wasn't necessarily a, a sort of awkward type of block but what was interesting was that there was not much space. So he tried to actually fit in an extra dwelling in the back in the very limited space that they have in there and on top of that, there was a lot of trees and so forth like that I think one of the issues that they had was that it was once again sloping and a lot of people completely overlooked that because they thought it's going to be one, too costly because it's sloping, They're you know, going to cost a lot of money to increase the level but also two, to actually develop on something like that just seemed too challenging and there's just too many factors that was in there. There's neighbors to get through, there's just all these other trees that are surrounding. Like how is it going to be able to get anyone convinced to do it? In the end, he, he bought it and it's very much similar. It actually made over something like 200000 three hundred thousand from that deal as well. But it's those kind of out of the boxes that really, really, you know, make an amazing development. So speaking of which then, let's jump into a little bit more about then I guess the, the ins and the outs of what happened. You, you went to the agent, had a chat to them, purchased the property. What kind of negotiation did you need to do because it seemed like a lot of people just overlooked it and didn't want it.
1: Yeah, it, took, it did take a little bit to actually negotiate the site. So I really had to stick to my guns on what I wanted to pay for it because I, I had looked at it when it first went up and they would listed it up around 400K um, as like a lifestyle block. You know, it had really nice outlook, nice trees and everything. Um, but I wasn't looking at it for owner-occupier. I was, I was looking at it for this site. So I wanted to make sure I could make as much on it as I could. And I knew a lot of people would be spooked by the awkward design of the block. So within about three weeks they dropped it. I think they dropped it from offers over three ninety nine to about three fifty. And I knew when they'd done that, that was a huge cut to do in, in, in three weeks. So obviously, for one, I knew they were probably motivated. And for two, um, they realized they weren't getting the sort of attention that they that, you know you always want at the early stages of the campaign. So I got in touch with the agent who I'd bought from before uh, and, and as I said to you before, he leased my other property as well in the area and we just sort of kind of just started, you know, talking about it and seeing what was, what was actually going to happen and he said, look, this guy needs to sell this block. Um, he's got another development going through and he needs the money from this sale um, to go over and, and be able to finish off the development on the other one because it was, or sorry, to start the development. So he was due to settle and he was running out of time. Um, so I, <laughs> true to form, I put in a very, very low offer. So he was still chasing about, you know, those mid threes and I put in an offer at two sixty. Um <laughs> and putting it in perspective as well like this is when the market in sydney was was bloody strong like this was late 2016 uh, so the market was strong but when there's motivation right like there's always and he's trying to chase a market that would pay a premium for it but he's he's chasing that market with an awkward block and so when i put that offer in they just pretty much you know told me told me where to go and i just let it sit for a week or two um, and then i what i did was i started researching the surrounding properties because one of the other things that um, – sorry, I had done this a little earlier as well and I, I, I knew someone that lived next door to it. They had trees that overhung the site. So the only other thing – so there was very nice trees at the rear but then there was trees from a neighboring site that were overhanging into it as well that were literally overhanging the property a fair bit and it looked like a very dilapidated site, um, very overgrown and whatnot. And so I found the owner and I um, – and I, um, you could get addresses but I couldn't get the phone number. I got addresses and I'd send him a letter. Um, just to inquire on the block to see if he wanted to sell it because I was going to see if I could amalgamate the sites. Um, and he ended up ringing me and he was this old fella that owns so much property in the area. And he just rang me, I think, because he kind of, you know, was, was pretty impressed the fact that I'd reached out to him and tried to chase him for this site. And he said, oh, what, what are you chasing the site for, mate? And I, and I said, oh, I, was, I was looking at the one next door and um, I was looking if see if I could amalgamate him. And he goes, oh, okay, nah, stuff maker stuff. And he goes, well, look, I've actually got um, plans going through at the moment for a dual lock. I thought here we go, precedence directly next door, and I said, oh, "Okay, when do you think you're doing that?" And he goes, "Oh, within the next six months, I'll have started it." So what no one else would have known in the area was that he was actually going to completely clear that site. All those trees are overhanging our site. He was getting rid of all of them. And it's because I asked him about him. He goes, "Yeah, mate, everything's going. We're building like a really nice like jewel jewel lock right next to it." And um and yeah, so when I found that out, I thought, "Here we go. Like, is there's some there's some value here because he's going to clear this, going to build two really nice houses," and um. And so I hit the agent back up and I just increased it to 270. And this was probably, I think, maybe about you know, 10, 14 days after that first offer. And they came back to me at 3.10. I thought, oh, here we go. Like, they're pre they're dropping it this night. Here we go. And I said, look, I've only got a pre-approval. I think I waited a couple of days and I said, look, my pre approvals are 280. It's all I've got. Um, and, and pretty much just let it sit there. A week later, they came back at, I think, 295. In the end, we got it all done and dusted at the 283. So it was probably... Quite literally, a month—a month negotiation um, from when I first started—and having the info of the next door, knowing what he was going to do, made me feel pretty comfortable in buying. I was going to make a really good margin. Um, yeah, I ended up getting it done at two eighty-three. I needed to have a really quick settlement, so that—that was—that um, really worked in my favour because he was—he was coming down to needing like thirty-five days to settle this other one, and I said, "Look, mate." 30 day settlement i'll get this thing done and um so that's where the power of sometimes the power of having really strong offers in terms of conditions can really come in and get your steal. because um yeah i think i think it was probably worth in those low threes but i think it would have taken some time to convince someone to to get it to pay into that sort of amount by the time i settled it because it was still it wasn't registered at the time it was going through for um um uh what do you call it? Yeah, sorry, going through for title. That was in the middle of the next year, which was mid um, 2017, which was the absolute peak of the Sydney market. And when I settled it, they valued they it a lot higher. Um, uh, sorry, when I went to build it, they valued it a lot higher than what it was actually going to be able to, what it was, what, it, what I'd originally paid it for. So it was, um, yeah, it was very good because they took security over the sale that I, that I'd made and then they lent him for the other block. So that's what it, yeah, it got through for me. So <laughs> it was kind of perfect timing, man. It was, um, Yeah, I was was kind of lacking on the timing on that side of things, which is is all about property, right? Like so much of it is, is the condition of the contract and finding people's motivations and making sure you're getting, you know, really looking for the people that are motivated to sell and that's when a lot of the time you can make a really good margin on the way in.
0: Totally, and this is what I really, really resonate, and also un- heard from what you just explained. It sounded like you completely took the emotion out of it because that's the challenge we all face as investor. We're looking at the numbers, and I don't know if there was another, you know, buy out there. Sound like there wasn't really. It's just you um, going in there, and you're able to negotiate quite hard. And just from hearing that. You didn't actually just go in and just you know say, look, this is my final offer, and that's it. You just went in back and forth negotiating, and that took a little bit of time. But because of that, the vendor knew that you were motivated. He was motivated, and you guys were able to do a transaction. And that whole time, when I heard you, it wasn't like you know I'm gonna I'm worried about I'm gonna increase this, and in, you know I think I better get it at this and increase it. Because the thing is, when as a buyer, if you're buying on emotion, it's easy to say, oh, I'll just buy it at that price and then be done and dust it. But Time really, really helps.
1: Yeah, exactly. 100% with what you said there. But I think one of the other big things, I think if he'd gone out and got approved plans or got a builder to sign up, spec up a house on it, I think he would have sold it a lot like very easily. And I think what the problem was, a lot of people were going out there trying to get their builders to go craft a design on this. and But that all takes time, right? And that was time he didn't have. So if he'd had more time up his sleeve, I think he could have got a, quite a strong price for it because because of the location and, and the atmosphere and everything that was there with that property. I think he could have. But because he um, yeah, because he didn't have that time factor to allow people to go and get their plans drawn up because and, and, it was in quite a nice little pocket as well. Um, yeah, I think if he'd had a little bit more time on that side, he definitely could have got a lot more money for it.
0: Coming up after the break. We take a further look into the development side of the deal.
1: So handyman or a chippy that I was using um, at the time for other projects, he came and we pretty much just, we banged that thing out in about two days, it was like
0: a 40 metre retaining wall. Gordon reveals some handy tricks for saving on costs.
1: Um, so I ended up building it for, <laughs> I, building, I actually ended up building it for half of that price. We built that one for 130000 it was ridiculous.
0: We learn how he turned an unconventional looking property into something desirable for tenants.
1: It was all about the appeal of it. So what, what I made sure that we did was um, that front facade of it. I made it look really homestead, really country style.
0: And that's coming up next. I'm Tyrone Sharp, and you're listening to Property Investory. Are you interested in finding great deals like Sam Gordon does? If the answer is yes, then let Sam help you find them since he does this all day every day. I've asked Sam to offer a free 30-minute strategy session to help you put together an actionable property plan to help you build your portfolio just like him. To get your free strategy session, simply text 0499881040 and quote APS. Welcome back. Gordon delves into the process he went through after purchasing the property and what he had to do before he could begin development.
1: So, what I had to do first up was get my approval for the dual for the dual occupancy. Um, so, I got that done. When that came through, that took a little bit of time as well, um, but not too long. It probably took about three months to get that through because I had to show them how I was going to do it. Um, and in that time I was going through, I had to build my retaining wall as well to kind of split it up. And um, yeah, so then I could I could prove that we could we had the levels that, that they needed that they were happy with because when it when it went over a certain height I think in that council it was 1.2 in the council um, when it went over that height we had to change plans and everything you had to put in for different it was just a lot of other rigmarole that would have and then on, of course um, costs on top of that as well so I had to split it up first um, and that's where I had essentially same, same thing right so handyman or a chippy that I was using um, at the time for other projects. He came and we pretty much just, we banged that thing out in about two days. It was like a forty meter retaining wall. Um, got the excavator dude to come in. He cleared the site, both sides, dug all our um, our massive bloody holes and put these a uh, one four in the ground. And um, actually, what are yeah, what are they were, they? roughly like one and a half in the ground, and then it was about a um, nine hundred sticking up. And um, yeah, we 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 banged that out pretty quick. And then we were able to get the uh, get the the approval came through for both of those. And um, yeah, man. And then it was just kind of shopping shopping builders as well to make sure we're getting it built for the absolute
0: best price possible. So, let's take a step back. For the listeners who might not know you and your background, how many properties would you have done by now? How many transactions of properties? Because obviously, jumping to developments is a completely different thing to buying, and holding and adding about you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this was my, uh, I, I kind of call these two, right? Because they're two on separate titles. So, this was my seventh and eighth property in the portfolio at the time. And I think I was 26 or twenty-six or 27, I think, when I did this one.
0: You're still quite early in stages in your portfolio. You, you, you <laughs> so, how did you learn all about this development? Because to, to actually understand how this all works, it's not like you can just go in and, and, and do it yourself. And, and, you know, I guess you've learned your lesson not to do this stuff yourself. I hope you didn't do the retaining wall yourself.
1: Well, I did it with the, I did it with the, chippy right like we (laughs) did but um no so so what i did was i was looking for something a bit different um i knew if we found a so i was looking for a site at the time but i was thinking i'll just go for a standard site um in terms of uh um like just a normal, because what I'd done in the area before was find really, really undervalued um, blocks of dirt and I was I'd did specy homes on them and I used to make a really, really good margin on that. And so what I was looking for at the time was actually another one of those, but I knew uh, in the in the DCP that we could we could on a quarter acre block or bigger do a dual lock um, and essentially individually title them. So when this one popped up, I knew it was there. Uh, I knew that potential was there. And then I kind of just winged it. So I started, uh, I I kind of made that first offer, um, and then was working on it and spoke to my, um, uh, got in touch with the town planner and started speaking with the town planner. And and I said, look, if I'm able to do this, will this actually work? And he said, yeah, I I could definitely get that through. And, um, he said, as long as you can split those levels, uh, yeah, we can definitely get that through. So, so that's essentially what we, yeah, what we went through and did. And, just out of the box thinking, you know, and, and making sure you have the right team around you as well and yeah, definitely pay dividends on this one.
0: So it sounds like you did uh, reach out to expertise, Town Planner, you know, to be able to find that, you search for builders, you know, you hustle to try and get that kind of, you know, really, really good deal and obviously, all came together really, really well. Well, what's also interesting as well is, I guess, did you have a chance to speak to the neighbor afterwards after you purchased the property and get some advice on that or it was just like, yep, you know, you gave me the advice, I'm running with it. <laughs>
1: I definitely spoke to him because he called me back about a couple of months later to hit me up for the fence. <laughs> so, um, yeah, So yeah, we had a good chat and, and kind of talked through a few different things on, on that side of, as well. I picked his brain on it as well and how he got it through. Um, and he came, gave me a couple of different builder contacts, which one of them uh, actually was the one. So I built separate builders. So I was able to build a specy builder for the, for the main dwelling that was the long, narrow one. Uh, which was it was when I say long narrow, it kind of makes it sound small, but it was a two hundred and fifty square meter home. Like it was, it was actually quite a big home. On the other one, when I bought the kind of more horizontal home, uh, like yeah, lengthways long and skinny lengthways, it was a bit of a smaller home, um, and I had to go with a specy. Uh, sorry, a um, a private builder on that one. But the way I kind of was able to keep my cost down um, was. I actually only built that one as well, so it was it was kind of a bit more time intensive. This is before I was running the uh, running the business, so I had a lot more time on my hands, but. Um but yeah, essentially I was able to, everyone else that was specking me up if I was to build it under someone else's license it was really, really expensive. Um, like almost as expensive as the 250 square meter house on one side was this 150 square meter on the other one. They were pretty much the same price or more. Um, so I ended up building it for, <laughs> I, ended up building it, I actually ended up building it for half of that price. We built that one for 130000 It was ridiculous. How
0: did you manage to get it under, so did you get a license or certification or something like that?
1: Yes, so you can do an owner-builder course. Um, there, there's there's a few problems around, or well, not so much problems around it, but if, if the intention is to sell the properties, you will come into some some, some strife with them. Um, but if you're going to hold them and retain them, which I definitely did as as uh, rental assets, then obviously it um, yeah definitely comes with a pretty good um, you know way around that there because you can just hold it. And I think it's, you need the warranty builders want to for seven years and then you know, after that it just becomes like any other house.
0: There's so many little intricacies in so many different things that you've learned along the way. I mean, these are fantastic tips because this can save you what a hundred K or so in, in terms of building. You know, just take a course. How long? how much does it cost? And how, you know, how long does it take? Well, this this was
1: the peak this was the, the peak of the Sydney market as well when I looked to be, build these. So like every builder was like so busy it wasn't funny. Um it was yeah. It was really hard to get a competitive price on it. And that's when, um, yeah, one of my mates essentially just said to me, look, just, oh, uh, well, sorry, one of these guys that I've, that I've been put onto said, one don't your owners do license? We we'll do all the cheapy work for you. You know, do, do the whole of that side of things and then organize the other guys. And he just, he was just able to do it for, it was definitely an out-of-the-box way of thinking about it. Um, and that's why definitely pays to shop around where you can because you never know what idea someone's going to come up with. Um, maybe even on that, the, the previous builder I'd used for the previous build, my, my build that I'd done before, it, I was set on using them again because they'd done a really good job for me. But they were just being really difficult and really painful with this site. Um, and, uh, you know, it just, it just kind of shows you don't need to have loads. Just because someone's done a really good job for you before, like on this build, it just proved to be really, really difficult to get them to work on this one. So I went to someone else and it was an absolute breeze with them. And yet the time before... Everyone else has been really difficult, and the builder used to that one was pretty. So it's just, it's a lot of give and take of these different things. You just gotta, you know, whenever someone's offering the best thing at a time, uh, and you know they're gonna do a good job. And yeah, I definitely look to take that option.
0: Wow, that's amazing to hear, hear that. You also mentioned that the size of the of the builds were a bit different. One was two hundred and fifty square uh, square meters. The other one was one hundred and fifty. That's quite a substantial difference. How come? What was the reason behind that?
1: Was the setbacks on the smaller one. So, the smaller one, um, because of the layout of the block and the shape of the block, and th- again, this is why so many people missed the-, the opportunity with this site. The setbacks from both front and rear boundaries would have made it a really hard site to work. Um, but essentially, all we did was just made it a really long, skinny house, and it didn't matter. I had absolutely no problems renting it. The value was still valued at really high. It was all about the appeal of it. So what, what I made sure that we did was um, that front facade of it, I made it look really homestead, really country style. So because it was like long and skinny, I just made it look like a, you know, like a colonial, like a house on a farm, like a really big, long, and it just, and set it off nicely with the landscaping at the front. Um, and it just... I, I, I pulled it off well. I am kind of very very happy with how I did on that one.
0: Yeah, it must have been a huge huge learning curve for you as well too to get into a development project like that. So how long did that whole process take to get to where you actually were able to make over 200k of that?
1: I think when when I was negotiating on it, we probably towards the mid to end part of 2016. I think we I ended up buying it around about November October November 2016. Um, I think I got my approvals around about May 2017, and I think I was it was built done and dusted by the start of 2018. I think it was. Um, I think the second one, the second one was finished a little bit later because obviously, like that was a very different process. I couldn't just hand it all over to a specy builder. Um, but yeah, it was it was um, so it was probably around about 18 months full up with that deal. Um, obviously, I made really good money out of the project. Uh, got really good cash flows out of it. But it took me out of the market for a long time as well.
0: And I was going to say, did you come across any particular challenges that you can remember because being the first time to do development of this um, you know, caliber for you, you probably had to learn a lot of things very, very quickly. Did you come across any specific challenges that you think, oh wow, you know, it's great learning lessons but I won't do it again in my future ones?
1: I remember one very, very clearly. Uh, was the gas, the gas, mate. So this, this property was a natural gas. Um, but the gas, I can't even remember the exact reason, but it was a real, um, if one want a better word, was an absolute shit fight trying to get it to site. And I couldn't even get it to the second one. And I paid a premium getting uh, getting the access to the site. And I ended up paying about an extra five grand to get the gas. Oh, sorry, that's right. It was for the, um, I wanted the gas heating in the house because it was a colder part of, you know, colder climate. I wanted gas heating through the house as opposed to, I could have just go ducted reverse cycle. I would have paid an extra thousand bucks for the system and it would have been inducted reverse and I wouldn't have had to pay the extra money for the gas line to run up further and all the different things that I had to put on it and um suffice to say when it rolled around to build the secondary one I didn't boil it with gas I just did it as the electrics because it was and I can't even remember what the exact issue was for the life of me but it was um yeah anyway I ended up scrapping it by the time I got to the second one and it was something I definitely um yeah definitely make sure I do my checks on it properly to site and not just uh you know, not just in the contract, and it's just sorry, not just you know verbally that it's actually 100% on site. So it's there's all these different little things you learn on a, on each deal that you make sure you do the pr- appropriate checks for in the next one, um, and then also you know in terms of in terms of actual returns on it as well. It didn't value any higher having gas. It didn't uh, It didn't rent for any more. So, it was, um, you know, for the sake of probably spending extra maybe five or, or $7,000 to get it to the site, like if I could go back, I definitely would have changed it. It was also the headache of it as well. It was a real headache to get that um, up and running too.
0: That was exactly what I was going to ask. Like, does it actually add any value? Was there a request from the tenant saying, I need to have get a gas? I'm pretty sure the tenants, if they want gas, then can go somewhere else. There's plenty of other tenants out there. So.
1: Definite lessons you learn.
0: So, let's talk a little bit about then uh, wrapping it up. I guess is what was the full outcome of it? Um, you completed development after about 18 months, purchased it under market value, got an absolute steal of a price because there was a motivated vendor. What was the outcome at the end of the day?
1: Again, I did all the landscaping myself with the with the chippy fella as well. Um, my old boy came out and helped me lay all the turf and whatnot. So, we, we, we saved costs where we definitely where we could. Um, all up, it came in with both built to complete was $686,000 all done and dusted for both dwellings, land, everything, landscaping, everything. I got it revalued at uh, two valves. One came in at $950, another one came in at 980 So really strong valves. Um, and the rental return on the, the main dwelling was 580 And on the little one, I got 430 a week for it as well. So um, for a $686,000 development, I got over 1000 bucks a week rent on two brand new properties in... Pretty good locations,
0: and you still got those properties,
1: yeah. Yeah, still hold those ones.
0: So it wasn't long ago, it's only what, about a couple of years ago you would have got those valves. So, do you think you know, since then, have you actually got it revalued since then?
1: Um, I haven't had them revalued since then. The market has definitely it's just stabilized. Um, it, it uh, probably after it had finished, it probably gone up a little bit. Um, and then it's probably come back to where, where I'd probably got them rebaled that as well. So, um, yeah, we, we, I pulled out all my money plus some when I finished the deal. And uh, yeah, a deposit cash flow, I'm pretty sure, on that one. It's a tune of $14,000, i am pretty sure, the last time I checked. And then depreciation on two brand new houses. It's like over fifteen grand a year depreciation as well. So, it's a pretty tidy little deal, that one.
0: you learned a lot from the episode, stay tuned for future episodes where Sam Gordon and I'll continue to share with you more property stories from his own journey. In the meantime, I've asked Sam to give us a free 30-minute strategy session to help you put together an actionable property plan to help you build your portfolio just like him. To get your free strategy session, simply visit australianpropertyscout.com.au and fill out the contact form or you can text 04. 99, 88, 10, 40, and quote, APS. Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.